Hi everyone, it's uh, Tuesday evening for the Dan and Omar show uh, and we're not going to be talking about football per se today or the sporting side of the game or the legal side of the game, the commercial side of the game. Uh, we're actually going to do something that's hopefully not too self-indulgent but hopefully people will, will enjoy listening back to. But we're going to chat about our careers in football which was um, one of your ideas and I'm quite, quite looking forward to having a chat on it. Yeah, I've, I, I did um, a few chats for, for various audiences a while back and um, I just found it quite uh, useful for my own for my own sake and just sort of charting sort of where, where, where I've come from over a particular period of time to where I am now, but also just to, I guess, demystify um, the, the types of uh, paths and routes that people can um, can face, can um, get through, can attain. Um, so that, um, you know, my, my big thing about careers in sports or in the entertainment sectors generally or passion sectors is sometimes you don't start off doing the thing that you, you do. Nothing goes in a straight line is the, is the, um, is the point. And, um, yeah, and at the same time, as, uh, as useful it would be, I was really interested in, to be, to be honest, hearing a bit more about your story, Omar, is the truth. So, um, yeah. I think it's funny. I don't know yours either, but yeah, we can uh, we can start with mine if you fancy it. Share war stories, but yeah, definitely kick us off. I mean, you, just very briefly, you know, my mine was I just loved watching football and was addicted to the official history of Liverpool Football Club on VHS. Was the truth <laughs> um, from about you know knew most of the commentaries from the sixties, seventies, and eighties, and so I'd have been good for a pub quiz for for that period of time, even though I wasn't old enough to go into a pub. Was was it the same type of Thing for you as just you know that, that sort of obsession with football or was it sport or was it something a bit wider yeah it was, it was probably sport in general i think for me um i you know i've, I've got i had loads of like almanacs and like stats books and you know the sticker books and everything really when i was growing up and, and really kind of obsessed over them um and as yeah as I'm sure you realised as well, I was uh, I was never going to be a professional footballer, a professional cricketer, or tennis player. Or what, what are you saying about my my footballing capabilities? That's true. I'm not I've not actually played football with you, so I'd be uh, I'd be curious. Oh, um, you're right. Yeah, I don't want to cast a spell. People watching this won't know that you're obviously you're six foot five. You're you're throwing <laughs> it in the air. You, you kind of the uh, yeah the scouts Van Dyke, as it were. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I very clearly or very early on uh, in my teenage years knew I wasn't going to be a professional sports person but capable at all but I um so I actually had a real interest in in sports media um I I actually um I, I grew up in in Singapore and football is kind of 24 7 on the TV there there was um guys like John Dykes who used to produce all and um, used to present all the shows there were, were really kind of uh they did some great content I really enjoyed and it was it was always an industry that I was that I was interested in getting involved in um and so i i started writing about football and sport from quite a young age from kind of my teenage years just writing articles putting them in school newspapers or whatever um and it was when i got to university i started doing a lot of student radio which um for anyone who's listening and and is at going to university or at university age or whatever student radio is a lot of fun um it's no one listens to it but as the mates you make on it are great um and you you know you just have you kind of get to live uh your own reality in a way in, in being kind of on student radio and that's um you know again as i was pursuing this idea in media i was i was quite keen on on doing more of 
And that's why you're so polyphemal, uh, is that basically what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. That's it. All came all came from uh, Radio Warwick. Um, but the I, I actually I I was so keen to get into media. I actually started writing a blog, um, which was railing. I don't know if you remember this, but about ten years ago, football punditry kind of hit a low point. I remember there was this episode of the Match of the Day where Alan Shearer was talking about Hatton Ben Arthur, and um, he said we don't really know much about Hatton Ben Arthur, but he's coming and made a big impact in Newcastle. And there was this kind of uproar on, on Twitter, which was still this kind of nascent social media at the time, uh, around um, how can you not know who Hatton Ben Arthur is? Established French international, you know, if you're playing in the Champions League, Europa League and so on. Um, and it really felt there was kind of this low ebb in, in quality of football punditry. Um, so I started writing blogs that were kind of railing against some of the prevailing narratives in, um, in football at the time. So around the England national team, you know, why is it they consistently fail the tournaments? Um, does Howard Webb support Manchester United? Um, you know, to what extent can you quantify momentum in title races? All these kind of things. Um, and what I realised, I, I was studying economics at the time. What I realised I was able to do is apply data to analyse um, those those various myths and facts. And I should say, I, I do think, as a kind of side point, the quality of punditry has really gone up markedly. I think in certainly in, on these shores in the last five years or so. Um, I think those kind of days of um you know x pro turning up on tv and, and kind of spouting off whatever they wanted is, is kind of gone um and, and kind of neville and Carragher, i suppose a big parts of that on, on sky um so yeah i started using data as, as a means to kind of challenge myths and so on and i really happened to be right place right time um there was a, an article in the ft by a guy called simon cooper who had written a book soccer soccernomics um and he, he was writing about a, a data revolution happening in football. Um, and this was back in 2011 when the Moneyball film was coming out. Um, there was, there'd been data in football for a long period of time, but it was only now be, um, becoming uh, used and, and, and widespread in, in terms of kind of really interrogating the data. Um, and so I, I was lucky in the sense that I managed to get in touch with a few people. I worked with a guy called Ian Graham for, for a short period. Uh, he was at a company called Decision Technology at the time. He's now the director of research at, at Liverpool. Uh, and Ian kind of gave me a great insight into the industry, which led me to a company called Prozone, which a lot of people will know from um, being made famous by the likes of Sam Allardyce, Arsene Wenger, um, kind of implementing Prozone analysis at their at their clubs. Uh, and then the guy who, who hired me there, a guy called uh, Blake Worcester, set up uh, 21st Club, which is where, where I'm at today and have been for the last seven years or so. Um, and it's all, you know, with anyone who gets into the sports industry from from being a fan, there is this always this domino effect of you do one thing, at least the next thing, and, and nothing would have kind of happened without the previous thing happening. Um, and for me, and this is always the, the one bit of advice, and we'll probably get into kind of lessons and so on in a bit, but the one bit of advice that I always have for people is try and get yourself out there in the public space and, um, and acknowledge. And for me, that was my blog. My blog was my CV. I, I didn't really write a CV for any of the roles I had. I, I just had my blog to, to send to people, and, and that was that was enough at the time. So I was I was quite lucky in that respect. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I got to where I am today. As I said, I don't know your story at all, so I'm kind of I'm sitting here really curious to, to hear what it is. Not as interesting as that, to be fair. But um, one question I had before I, I go off was was so when you were 
were you blogging still at university or had you um, got to the stage post uni where Prozone became your first job or did you do stuff before then you moved into actual football? Yeah, so I, my first first role out of university was uh, was in football. So I was yeah really lucky. I've never known a normal job as it were, which is uh, which is quite fortunate. Um, I'd done the the internships I'd done in kind of more normal businesses and with Ian at uh, at Decision Technology. But uh, but yeah, my blog. I, I started my blog in university, and that that took me all the way through to the career. It's funny that because um, you know in some ways I see quite a lot of. Um, uh, I hope you don't say it as I mean, I don't mean it badly. I mean, it's a positive thing, but I don't want to align you to me as the truth at the same time. But there's a lot of um, symmetry in a lot of things that you said um, early on in that, um, yeah, I, I had a very specific um, obsession with football and Liverpool growing up. Um, as I mentioned, uh, going to the games and it um, impacting my Saturday nights quite considerably <laughs> through my childhood and adolescence. Um, which my, my friends would regularly take the mick out of me for. Um, and I, I grew up more or less in a family of lawyers. Um, so at least going to uni to do law was something that at least I would do, probably to conform a little bit is the truth, and then just to see what happened as a result of that. And to cut a long story short, um, I um, at the end of my master's degree, I did a master's in football broadcasting rights and competition law. Um, got some uh, articles published in some law journals and that was actually the foundation of um, uh, my blogging really to a, to a, to a degree but the, di the slight difference was that I still kept on writing five six seven thousand words in obscure law journals that not many people were reading until my missus now my wife um, Holly said you know you need to actually make this accessible put it out there for a bigger audience um, and make it more accessible so you you know people aren't bored after 10 minutes of reading through something is the truth within reason mm -hmm. and that's how I then came about to doing more football and sports law um, writing and learning and understanding because the, the law firms that I was at I, I really wasn't doing that much sports and football work at all to, to uh, especially at the beginning of my career mm -hmm. um, I was really um, just as you said Twitter was taking off back in 2009-10 I got a good football, uh, a good handle for football law. I started blogging, started you know um, getting a bit of media attention from commenting on stories like Suarez and Terry and Balotelli and um, Suarez again. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, from there, I, I started then developing a bit of a reputation for certain topics like financial fair play, third-party investment, and particular types of disputes in in football and sports more generally worked on quite a lot complete not by luck but from speaking to the people at my firm we did have a sports team at that stage and we just happened i'd happened to get involved in quite a lot of football takeover work which was great for my cv because then i could show you know i was a good hopefully a good technical lawyer but i wanted to start getting more industry experience and that mixed with my blog my media perception of doing quite a lot of work and then gradually gradually building into over the last 10 years or so having um a sports and football practice that sort of took me took me through particular um, sort of reputation um, uh, developments is the truth where you know you, you want to make sure you want to be able to comment on stuff but at the same time you don't really want to be able to comment on anything in the industry in the media because it means you're probably doing it and that's actually been some of the challenge these days and it's sometimes the challenges that we face when we're talking on here and on other platforms because we've got lots of opinions about lots of things 
but we also need to be very careful because in a great way we're doing lots of industry leading stuff and we need to be sensitive and sensible in the generally the types of conversations we're having yeah exactly yeah i um i use social media in a very different way to what i did 10 years ago um where i was mouthing off on everything now uh, i think i'm pretty uh pretty mild on, on social media with uh with some of the things i come out with for, for those very reasons um it's, it's interesting i think we were probably both a little bit fortunate to have a voice on a platform at a time where there weren't that many um similar voices i know uh, like i was saying I, I felt i was very much right place right time if, if i think about football analytics and sports analytics at the time you obviously had the us um side of things which was taken off and there's a lot being done on mlb and nba and so on uh, but in terms of football there were probably only six or seven bloggers at the time so guys like uh, chris anderson sarah rudd uh, devon plulo all of whom have kind of gone on to club jobs or, or jobs in industry roles in the industry um and so it's obviously a lot easier to, to kind of stand out from the crowd that said, a lot of the people that we hire, I don't know if it's the same same case for you, but a lot of the people that we hire have demonstrated some kind of skill, knowledge, experience, not necessarily having been employed in the industry, but maybe in a in a blog or a social media feed. Um, and that it just makes it just makes a world of difference because you've got you're looking at someone's CV, or you're looking at two people's CV, and you know, a lot of the time the skills look the same, the education looks the same, the bio looks the same, and all that kind of stuff. But if someone's been out there and and kind of managed to you know, scrape data or, or cobble together data from a particular point and, and done an interesting piece and and whatever it is, um, then clearly a a not only does that show kind of applied skills and knowledge, but b also shows a bit of a kind of you know growth mindset, upstart mentality to to try and do things differently. And like if I look at my blog and I look at the early blogs, they are terrible. They're absolutely awful. They're, they're so cringeworthy. But I've left them up there because you know they're a good, they're a good record for for what you've done. Um, and the other point I make as well, based on what you said around not trying to write five thousand words in kind of obscure legal text, write you know write articles, write messages. Like um, I often think almost like um, you would read a match report. Mm. So you know uh, I'll use a Liverpool example, but you know the first line of the Liverpool Fulham. Um, report would be would tell you what happened in the game. So you know, Fulham earned a surprise victory at Anfield, leaving Liverpool six six matches out. You know, home why, do to, why do you have to bring that up? Long first, long first game that came to mind. First game that came to mind. Um, <laughs> and then you go into okay, what are the other key points? And then finally, you kind of go into the details of the game. And I often think with analytical writing, you should almost, you should start with a conclusion. So it should be this is the thing you should care about. This is some of the kind of key points around it, and this is how I did it um because ultimately readers are interested in that bit and that also shows a kind of a mastery of being able to communicate ideas which is so important in probably both our spaces and um, given the different kind of technical um backgrounds that we come from i think it's um vital i realized quite early on um it took me a while to realize it i needed to stop writing for me and writing for others and that's maybe an odd thing to say but i was trying to write in a way to show my expertise and my technical superiority etc whatever else it might be and use big words and write long sentences when actually the the older i get and the more experience i'm having is um you you gain credibility by able to by being able to whittle down very complicated matters into r relatively straightforward messages um 
and be that if that's maybe where the Twitter generation to a degree, the professional Twitter generation of being able to whittle down complicated themes or messages into small bite-sized chunks. But, but I completely agree. But the thing that I would be just really interested in and going back a little bit to your blogging was what, what gave you that spark or the idea to combine, I guess, that economics, maths, data with football was there somebody a mentor that said you should think about doing this was it just a spark that came from a conversation because i think a lot of people always see the um the outcome of stuff like you know you're working in brilliant stuff in football i'm working on some fantastically interesting things as well but they they don't see um and i'm very keen on trying to stress that like you know how, how did it start and it's not just luck it's putting yourself out there as you said but putting a lot of hard hours in as well yeah, exactly. And I, I suppose, yeah, the hard hours come easy when, when you enjoy it. I mean, for me, yeah, I was studying economics, a bit like you. Um, I came from a family of economists and so I ended up doing economics because it was the safe, comfortable thing to do and it gives you, you know, gives you options and whatever. Um, and I, for me, I mean, beyond having conversations with, um, with my brother, who's always been kind of quite um, supportive and interested in, in what I do, it was just a case of, as I say, me spouting off about how you know punditry was was wrong and and so on. And th- I just, I suppose, I just had a natural inclination to find data that that proved things right. And I, I've always probably had a mind to to look at evidence for things rather than just form an opinion based on what I see or what I think. Um, so that, that yeah, that's where it came from. And then it just steadily grew from there, where. It, it, it moved from being this blog around, um, you know, themes in football media to a blog that was much more focused on using data to unpick um, unpick big issues, big narratives um, that were around at the time. So, yeah, it's, I suppose, accidental in some ways. Um, but there are so many interesting topics out there that I think people can explore, um, you know, in my space, in, in data, in your space, in um, in law as well, in, in, um, in everything that's happening in football that... Just take, just look at whatever takes your interest. Like I wouldn't try and over manufacture. Oh, I should be writing about this particular thing or tweeting about this particular thing or Instagram about this particular thing because I know this particular company is doing that kind of thing. Like do whatever. Like for me, it was whatever interested me and, and proving that Howard Webb wasn't a biased referee was something that happened to interest me and in it has clearly served me relatively well. Can I ask then um, what? You know those those first few blogs, and it's the same. I, I laugh not because I, I I'm sure your those blogs were very good, but I laugh because I know exactly that feeling where I remember reading my what I thought were the most perfect but perfectly drafted legal journals that I'd ever written that were just masterpieces back in 2003, 2002, 2003, and I look back at them now and they're like, oh my god, <laughs> what what is that? Um, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of people ask me when they say, well, what should I be doing, the type of things you should be doing, etc." And my response is, well, find something interesting. And if you feel confident enough about it, write it and just put yourself out there to a degree. Yeah. What would, what do, what's your response to the, the, those, type, those people that will say, well, I'm not sure I'm confident enough to know enough about the, the topic. It's sort of, at what point do you get so deep and narrow that your expertise is at a level where you feel confident that you can write something and offer something of value? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. 
because it's funny like you know the the industry the industry shouldn't reward people who just are arrogant or overconfident about their, their views and um, it, it should be the opposite people who are considered i think certainly in the world of um of sports intelligence and analytics i think um you know it, it's it lends itself naturally to having more confidence when you've got more evidence so you know if you're able to build a picture you know people you know you should be aware of the caveats that you should have but but i think you know don't 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 overstress on getting to the perfect answer like try and try and look at something that's interesting you know appropriately caveat it and then you know try and try and drum up some kind of interest in it and conversation around it i think is is the way forward i wouldn't uh, yeah as you said like the the early the early work as if we're some kind of like early musicians some musicians or something but yeah the the early work you tend to do is um yeah we'll be we'll be hit and miss but that's fine like i'm as as some as now an employer of, of people in the industry i don't really care like if um the work if the work is i don't want to say of low quality but i, I don't really care if like you didn't have access to the best data or you know you, you weren't able to account for this thing it's like it's the it's the initiative it's the working it's the um it's the kind of thought process that goes into it that that matters more and it's it's the same actually when we when we hire data scientists within the business we tend to give them a, a bit of a task uh, and we don't really care what results they produce from that task whether they recommend a certain player or say a leech to do a particular thing or whatever it is it's more like what's the thought process that's gone into it um because yeah we acknowledge that if you're a student or someone who's not working in the industry at the moment this is always going to be a side project so it's not it's not as if you can dedicate you know full days full five days work to, to getting something right and on that point as well i mean i think the i think the interesting bit is is that there will always be when you're starting out in thinking about trying to do something in whatever it is if it's film tv music sport football that, that there's always going to be that um imposter syndrome element mixed with i'm no good mixed with i don't know enough so the 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 no good mixed with i don't know enough mixed with why am i even doing this in the first place i guess brings out an interesting cross-section of people then that do um ultimately and it's that as you talked you said it very early on in this session about um growth mindset and um which i'm uh, which i've read carol dweck's book on a number of occasions which i really love and then um that idea of sort of creativity and putting yourself out there is the truth like it's a really uh, um small um bit of something but putting yourself out there um i remember writing something a little bit ago about how when done deal came out and on the whole that everyone was pretty nice about it um but i got one amazon review saying it was absolute tosh and <laughs> it's worthwhile for eight-year-olds to Sorry read for that. yeah apologies yeah so i know you're sued i know you're sued him now most importantly <laughs> um but i know how that can impact is the truth and never mind me as a I say a fully grown man, I mean like as a as an adult in a professional job, putting yourself out there is like it's a human condition, I guess, is the interesting bit. So anyway, that was just one of those things I was like, you know, that motivation and, and intrinsic desire to try and do something um is, is quite a strong indicator, I think, if you can get yourself over that first hurdle to, to do something. Yeah, it should I think fundamentally it should be fun, it should be interesting. Um, you know, I I never wrote a blog that I didn't like enjoy. <laughs> I, I always wrote on something that 
I was kind of really engaged with. I kind of, you know, get my head down. It'd be three hours later. Where did that where did that time go? It'd be consistently like that. And yeah, as you say, whether it's in sport, whether it's in another industry, I think hopefully there's something out there that um, that you can do that you can then evidence, you know, in a public space. Because um, I think that's that's key. And you know, it's increasingly competitive. I'm not going to lie. As I said earlier, you know, I I was very lucky that at the time there weren't that many people who were doing things with data in in football. And now you know, there's there's hundreds. Um, it's, it's certainly in the space I work with. In so it's it is a lot more competitive, and and there's probably you know more. Uh, there's probably more that you have to do than I did than write a you know a, a blog every you know few weeks or so, whatever it was. Um, I think the bit there, just sorry, very briefly, I'm going to come on to Casper's question, which is I think a good one for you. Um, is I agree that you're almost you're the first within the few generations of the trail, the data trailblazers. But at the same time, there wasn't, there wasn't a job industry, there wasn't a job market for that 10 years ago. Whereas now, exactly as you said, although there's maybe more people actually there looking um, for those type of roles because they know that the roles are now there, there's more opportunities for those roles, I think, which is also the point. So I don't know, I don't know whether people are more fortunate now or otherwise, but it feels like, there being a bigger market means that, that there's more and wider opportunities. Yeah, that's absolutely, you're absolutely right. There wasn't a, a data scientist, data analyst role at Prozone. It, it was created for me, which um, which I'm you know incredibly privileged to to have gotten that. Be absolutely right. There are more positions now, and and therefore you know more opportunities for people to gain. So Casper asks um, a question. I'm not sure if it's um, you can chat too much about it, but based on your experience anyway, it says. The growth of data-driven analysis, newfound obsession with XG and accounts like XG philosophy. How do you think these things will influence the game at boardroom decision-making level in the future? Well, I mean, I say future. I'd say present is the truth. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, we, my favorite anecdote on this is that we have a SMS service uh, for clubs. Um, so, as a chairman, CEO, director of football at a football club, um, you get a, a text from us, an automated text from us pre-match, which tells you the likelihood of winning and losing um, in the game. So it kind of sets expectations for what you might expect in the match. Um, at half time, you get an XG score. So it tells you, you know, have you have you had the better half or who's been on top? And a full time, you'll get the, the kind of XG score and the win probability. So given, given how well you played in this game, what's the likelihood that you win this game? Um, and w- there is a-, a club in the in the Premier League that has decided not to fire their head coach because they instinctively knew that the team was playing okay despite a, a run of of not so good results. They they knew um, they knew it with their eyes, but they needed it. lots of clubs have seen it with their eyes and still pull the trigger to to get rid of a coach. They needed the kind of supporting evidence, and they they said to us, "Well, without without your numbers, without the SMSs." I would have probably begin to second guess myself, um, and so it gave them confidence to stick with the manager, who then stayed for another, another couple of years at least, I think. So, um, yeah, it's it's already influencing decision making. Um, I, I think I think um, a, to bring that point back to um, um, what we were what we've been talking about, you know, XG came from. Uh, a guy called Sam Green, who is um, at Opta um, back in, uh, I think, like 2012-ish, 2011-ish time. Um, and, um, you know, he's kind of forged a, a career in sport as well. He's been at different clubs. He's worked in different sports. 
Um, and it's, again, something that he put out there on, admittedly, it wasn't a business at the time, but it's something that he managed to put out as a new idea and it spread like wildfire in, in the sport. So, um, again, just shows the impact of putting ideas out there um, and the impact that can have on, on a career. Yeah, I mean, the the, truth, the the interesting bit now as well that I can see is that it XG is so mainstream that, I mean, this is the best example, I'd say one of the examples is like Match the Day and Monday Night Football are using it like it's, like it's a normal type of stat-like possession. And I think that's the seepage of what can be complex um, data-driven insights um, into the mainstream conversation. And if the beginning of this conversation was talking about one of the reasons why you were uh, wanting to get into the space was because of the lazy punditry, mm-hmm. how interesting that the evolution of the, of the data um, landscape inside probably just about a decade has got, has, has got mainstream punditry to the position where that is the norm for analysis now yeah yeah it's kind of extraordinary think about it i uh if i think back 10 years it would have been it would have seemed almost a bit far-fetched to have um you know adv- a, a stat that uses a logistic regression on you know a uh on monday night football or a um you know match of the day so yeah there's there's, there's been a huge shift in it and that's a credit to, to people who have you know move the needle certainly in the analytics space generally coming from outside of football as opposed to people inside of football um, which i think shows that the impact that can have well i think um omar it means we've got to, you've got to pull a couple of favors and get ian graham on the show sooner rather than later so that would be, that would be great i'm looking forward to that one <laughs> <laughs> explain the final results Oh, well, that's, that's for a different day. But we've done quite well on not going too far on Liverpool from now. Only to say yeah. we've, we've talked about, if I remember correctly, we're at the set, the, the repeat round where you had gone, for, I'm trying to remember which, had you gone Barca and... Leipzig, yeah. Leipzig, and I'd gone Liverpool and... PSG, yeah. So, well, even if Liverpool get through, I'm, I'm slightly concerned that without... Um, a few players, we might be in trouble for the quarters. Yeah, it's all it's all down to the draw. We'll see, we'll see where it takes. So, just remind me very quickly: the quarters and the semis get drawn at the same time. Is that right this year? Oh, I don't know. Actually, um, may well be the case. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not certain. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll look out for that after a nice weekend, or rather, midweek of, uh, of Champions League games. Mate, thank it was. I, I really enjoyed the, uh, the 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 career journey story. I think, um, yeah, we'll try and maybe do something else on maybe digging into particular elements of stuff as well that we can get some more questions on. But uh, yeah, that'd be great. All right, cheers, Dan. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Football Law. Read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website, danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundeal Football Podcast, like, share and tag me. If you like the content, if not my voice, you'll probably also like my book Dundeal, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13 which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years.
you can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.